Welcome to a very special edition of Podcana. We'll label this uh, episode number 11, which frankly is actually my favorite number when it comes to like sports. And here it is, the juiciest of topics. Last week, um, Brendan and I were kind of uh, pleading for some kind of news, some kind of release, some kind of conversation point, cards or something from Lorcana that we can discuss because it's been a kind of a slow roll. And uh, lo and behold, Brendan is actually traveling for the next few days, so he can't be here. But I have a uh, a lawyer, a, a agent of the law, Jordan Kennedy, as well as somebody who is a big-time TCG aficionado. So welcome to the show, Jordan. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm not, I'm not as handsome as Brendan Patrick. Uh Regrettably, but I will try my best to to sit here and look pretty and to talk maybe a little <laughs> bit about so what what the heck's going on. Sure. So what, one one little bit about Brendan Patrick is that I remember speaking with Dalen Mack uh, in the past couple months actually, where he said, "You know what? I, now keep in mind, Dalen Mack, a uh, former NFL player, three hundred and fifty pounds, six foot three, big time, just bruiser, softest, gentlest, nicest guy," but said, "You know." I met everybody, and the only person I was really disappointed was was Brendan Patrick. I thought he would be bigger, but he actually no, <laughs> which made me laugh. I mean, he's not tall, but he's a thick boy. He's he works out more than anyone, which is unreal. Yeah. Um. All right, so we've got some pretty hefty stuff to get into, which is the fact that Upper Deck is suing Ryan Miller and Ravensburger for uh, um, a laundry list of various things, but ultimately it comes down to the crux of it, which is Ryan Miller was hired by Upper Deck to create a game called Rush of Icor. He was one of many who was initially brought in uh, to sort of brainstorm, as they put it, ideas for a new TCG. They hired him, and they... On, on in as part of the complaint, say that they paid him tens of thousands of dollars to create this this game, and then he leaves, goes to Lorcana, and they are alleging that the Lorcana game is a complete and almost identical game to what they were developing, which is Rush of Icor, and then there's a whole laundry list of evidence and and other kinds of alleged uh, breach of contracts etc 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 so i have you here jordan because we want to just kind of wade through this we don't want like an hour-long episode we want to make sure that people can get educated at least or, or sort of up to speed and feel like they understand what's going on with this so um if you're ready uh, first of all i guess you should probably let us know what your 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 profession is or your job is Sure. Yeah. So I, I daylight as a, a an attorney in the state of Ohio, and uh, I mostly focus my practice mostly focuses on small business uh, and real estate. Um, so I wouldn't claim to be a um, a patent or an IP attorney or anything uh, like that. But though I do, I can contribute a little bit. Um, I guess I want to say out out at the front of this that like. None of this is going to be legal advice. So like, if you hear something and you're like, oh, I can apply that to my life. You're wrong. You can't. So just like, don't think that you can. Um, and we can kind of walk through this. Notably, you said evidence. And I balked at that a little bit, if only because of the complaint that we currently have access to does not attach any exhibits. Uh, we just have a list of allegations. And I'm sure those will be provided those will be sealed those will be like discovery will happen and we may or may not see those things but from our seat day one of this all we have is this like story the upper deck is said 
So whether or not any of that's true or any of that, like we're going to, we're going to hash that out over the next couple of months, maybe years. But, um, right now this is just a fascinating time to be alive because <laughs> I was excited for this game and, uh, who knows what's going to happen now? Yes. So. so let's let's walk through that. And I think that viewers and listeners of me specifically know very well not to take anything I say um, seriously or as direction for life. Nonetheless, uh, let's walk through a little bit of it, which is initially the the introduction to the complaint. It's like multiple pages that is, that really hashes out everything that has happened. And honestly, uh, it's actually quite easy to read, even for somebody who is not necessarily. Uh, too legal savvy. If you've watched one or two episodes of Law and Order or The Practice, I guarantee you, you can probably make heads or tails of what all this says. But here is the introduction to the complaint, Jordan, and then I want your thoughts on it. Initially, here yep. it is. So here's the introduction. Upper Deck seeks to protect its intellectual property from premeditated theft by Miller. That would be Ryan Miller. On a work-for-hire basis, Upper Deck engaged Miller as lead game designer to develop a major proprietary trading card game for Upper Deck called Rush of Icor. Over uh, After over a year of developing Rush of Icor alongside Upper Deck, Miller terminated his contract with Upper Deck and either before termination or just after began working for the defendant Ravensburger, a direct competitor. Now, that's going to be important because I also want to um, establish the, the significance of what that is. Uh, anyways, continuing. At Ravensburger, Miller transported his work product on Russia of Icor, knowing such work product was owned solely by Upper Deck into a trading card game called Disney Lorcana. That is the 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 major sort of the umbrella aspect of it. So what do you take from this? Yeah, so um excuse me, it sounds a lot like at least Upper Deck is under the impression that Miller and we'll talk about the actual agreements and things like that that they allege here in a second, but thought that Miller had access to their things under the constructs of an agreement and then as a result of what they call premeditated. So that's that's going to be that's that's an interesting term to me that he contemplated this before it happened. Uh so that's scary. Um but that he he took this to a competitor either for more money or because he liked the IP better or whatever reason people do things that they're not supposed to. Um Upper Deck alleged that with access to their information and their game system, he took that information and basically sold it to a competitor and um and I do say I agree with you that this complaint is very well done. It's very easy to read. Craig Nicholas, you did a good job. Uh, this is a, this is a really California is already a weird legal jurisdiction anyway. So they have causes of action that aren't recognized everywhere. They have weird rules on things. But uh, again, Craig did a great job of like walking through each thing that they're going to allege um, and try to get uh, recover, try to recover for. Um, but right out of the gate, yeah, it's it is as you laid it out. Um, they're alleging that this guy who they said, "Hey, we're going to pay you to build this game," and then that guy just yoinked the ideas and took them elsewhere. I'm, I I assure everyone that this is probably the longest shot that I will ever take in my life. But I will attempt to reach out to uh, um, Craig Nicholas, who is the I guess the lead attorney on this and hope for either a statement or to actually speak to the guy. And I highly doubt that will happen. I'm but just going to say, don't even waste his time. Don't <laughs> even bother. Because the answer is no. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I don't want... <laughs> I want, busy. <laughs> I want one of those, like, 
Jackie Childs from Seinfeld attorneys that like really wants to speak, you know, like uh, I want somebody who comes up here and gives me the Wookiee defense, you know, <laughs> like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, my guess is going to be uh, because of all of the intellectual property that's involved and all of the trade secrets that there's just nothing for him to say other than what he's said. Sure. Um, so so uh, it's not like a criminal case, you know, where we really want to hype up the public opinion here. You know, like I my get like I would say no if you called me. So I don't know. Yeah. Well. You're not. That's why. I, that's why I hire you as my friend attorney. Um, How much does that pay? Can we oh, talk about that? Yeah. No, we can absolutely talk about it after the show. I don't discuss that kind of stuff here. That's just unprofessional. <laughs> okay. Um, so Ryan Miller, let's talk, do a little timeline here. Uh, this is all again taking from the the filed complaint. Ryan right. Miller signed a work for hire agreement with Upper Deck that came into effect on June twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, uh, it, with the purpose of creating rush for a uh, rush of icor as their game now tell me what is a work for hire agreement because to me it sounds like the guy just got hired is that just like legalese for the guy got hired um no so work for hire agreements typically and uh without the actual agreement it's tough to, to pin it down because you can call the document whatever the hell you want but a work for hire agreement typically involves a uh an agreement where i'm gonna hire you to make a thing and I'm going to pay you to make it, but I own the thing you make. And so think about it like uh, not not exactly like, but a ghostwriter of a of a memoir. You know, I'm going to hire this guy to write my memoir because I don't write that well. Uh, but he, this guy doesn't own my memoir, and that's the concept here. So they are alleging it's likely that they're alleging that Ryan Miller was hired to make Rush of Icor, and they said, "Hey, you don't you're not our employee. We're going to contract with you to make this game, and we're going to own it." at the end of the day and, and ryan allegedly ag agreed to this arrangement now again the actual details of that uh, or what changes or modifications they may make to that plan we're not privy to because they weren't attached as exhibits to this so i'd love to see the actual agreement which i probably never will because they'll call it a trade secret or something but um uh, and and put it under seal but that that's that's the general scope is they allege that they hired ryan to make a thing this time rush of icor in exchange for money and that they upper deck own that thing all right so that has been established and uh we know now that it's basically it's like kind of like a contract that said but like whatever you produce is under the ownership and property of upper deck so yep. um the agreement uh basically stipulated again from the this is all from the the document the agreement stipulated that the rules and game created were in fact the property of upper deck uh miller was obligated to keep the project details confidential which extended beyond his employment with upper deck and then uh, and then he also terminated his contract in october of 2021 so my question to you is number one is it common practice to have to sign contracts with an employment employer that go beyond your employment with them something along the lines of where hey uh even when we're done with you you can't talk about this mention it or whatever like i understand non-disclosure agreements i've signed hundreds of those you know in my lifetime i say hundreds i have signed dozens of those in my lifetime but this sounds different than that yeah no so i i would i would say that this is this is a fairly common practice um, so we recognize things like non-disclosure agreements. We recognize things like, uh, do not competes. We recognize things like, um, confidentiality agreements, especially with intellectual property. You know, maybe they're six months in and 
you know, just as an example, Ryan's produced some cool mechanics for a game, but they're not great and they're not loving the direction. So they cut Ryan loose. Well, they, they still own those things that he's made and they wouldn't want him running away and selling them to a competitor. So I think this is reasonable under the circumstances. I'm typically very pro labor. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I think like non-competes and things like that generally are dangerous for like the working class, but in an intellectual property scenario like this, where, Hey, your whole, your whole job is to make something for me. That's this end tangible game system um this this seems like a pretty reasonable ask from from upper deck and to say like even after you leave you can't go talking about the things we did here uh, especially if you leave before it's done um so the and then he left with uh basically again the game is not done because it's not released in fact this is the first we ever hear of it because it 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 was released as part of this like it was unannounced it was unexpected as it were because of agreements like this of the people who are working on it keeping it hush hush within the company but he left right so the other question here is um the complaint claims that ryan miller may have began his employment with ravensburger while maintaining access to rush of icor's assets how dangerous is this or how how like damning is this kind of thing or how shady is this practice if this is true it would be a very it would be bad for ravensburger if this were true um and i really don't know like the complaint is claiming for among other things like let's just look at the the front page of the complaint uh, breach of fiduciary duty like yeah so they're they're alleging that he had a duty to hold this stuff in confidence as a result of his agreement and he was like actively siphoning it is the alleged allegation um it would certainly almost prove fraud that he like intended to deceive these people um and it would certainly paint ravensburger in a bad light where you didn't know this guy was working as he you know so a lot of these things involve ravensburger a lot of the allegations anyway say that Ravensburger knew or should have known that this guy was doing something. And if this guy's actively employed at Russia Vicor and actively a contractor for them, that's a, uh, that, that would be a pretty damning, a damning thing for them. So, and that's going to be one of the biggest, I mean, it's bad no matter when he started working for them. If, if what upper deck says is true. Um, but for the fraud allegations and then Ravensburger's role in this, that those are those, that is a massive fact pattern. All right, so um, in April of 2023, Upper Deck files the patent for Rush of Icor. Um, what, you know, in layman's terms, is a patent? Yeah, so this is one of the things that American uh, intellectual property law is nuts. Uh, I don't claim to be smart enough to handle it. In fact, to do certain types of IP work, you have to have a certain license here in the U.S., and it requires a STEM degree uh, for, like, for your undergrad. So like, I can't even get one because I have like a Bachelor of Arts degree. Um, but there are three big buckets of like IP protection. The first are things like trademarks and the whole goal of these, right. Is to like, um, make sure that the consumer knows how to identify a product in the marketplace. Um, and, or like it keeps them separate from different things. So you can like, for example, trademark, um, the name of a, of a brand so that people know, that this is from you. Uh, then there are copyrights. These things protect expressions. So like art, logos, books, um, the design of a card, perhaps, um, the design or layout of a board game, um, the picture of a dragon on the cover of a D&D manual. And then there are patents, and patents protect inventions. They're designed to protect things that we make, and they're designed to protect non-unique things. Or I'm sorry, they are designed to protect unique things that aren't obvious. And so... 
how we make those, they're the most complicated of the three to make. They require plans and drawings and specifications. And so when Upper Deck goes ahead and files for its patent for Rosh Vicor, it's saying, hey, we've created this thing that is unique and is not even kind of similar to other things and that it's ours. And then so that's that's going to be the juice of what, what comes next in your narrative. Sure. So sort of to, to break this down further, they're not like you can copyright the logo of Rush of Icor, but you have to file a patent for the rules to say this is brand new, this is different. It's within the sphere of card game rules and and interactions, but this collection, this arrangement of them, this interpretation of how to play a card game is unique, it's different. It is our patent, we own it. Yeah, and so yeah, like for example, you can't copyright rules for example um or you can't trademark rules you can maybe copyright how the rules are laid out in a book um but you can't copyright them but a patent is like you said like a very unique is a unique thing um that exists in the world just like a you know i have a go xlr mini on my desk right i imagine that thing is patented uh, i can't go out and then go make a product that is functionally the same as a go xlr mini and call it the jk mini you know um, sure. So they're so when they file this patent, they're saying, "Hey, we have made this thing that is functionally unique, non-trivial, and, uh, and and distinguished from other products in the marketplace." So, and again, I know. Uh, this is- let me. Sorry. Off, let me be clear. I am a donkey when it comes to IP. So that is the most layman. Like, you're gonna get a YouTube comment where this guy's like, "Yeah, this guy just messed up basic IP law." Um, but to, to to at the end of the day, right? Like, just know that like. They're trying to protect this thing they made, and there are different buckets of things that you do to protect various parts of that. Right. Um, co- most more recently in the gaming community, like the Dungeons and Dragons open gaming license had a big to do about trademarks, copyrights, and patents. And so, like, that's kind of a good basis for if you're like looking for other things in our sphere to explain it. Okay, but ultimately, it's very murky, very complicated. It's this tangled yeah. web of things. All right. Um, yes. So that was in April of 2023. April 10th. The Lorcana rules leak. Uh, I say April 10th. It could be give or take a day or two. Ultimately, I think Polygon uh, released some like look into the rules uh, because some of the magazines or pamphlets that were being given out at a convention or a show had the rules laid out. So the rules were common knowledge in April 10th of 2023, and they are as alleging by as alleged by Upper Deck, incredibly similar to what Rush of Icor was, which is a game that Ryan Miller was the lead developer on. Now, uh, for those who are who didn't read it, I'm going to give you the parallels uh, between the two. And these are all, again, these are all laid out in the document. I'll put a link to the document in the video as well. But here are the, here are the parallels. Number one, the, ma- the, the resource system. In Lorcana, it's called Inc. In Rush of Icor, it's called Influence. That doesn't matter. What you call it, it doesn't matter. It's how it's generated, which is you put a card from your hand in Lorcana face down. That becomes your ink. That becomes your resource. In Rush of Icor, you take it from the top of your deck and put it into your uh, influence bar or whatever, and that becomes your thing. All right. Seems simple enough. The win condition in Lorcana is you quest to reach 20 lore. In Rush of Icor, you raid to generate 20 gems. And 20 is just a number I threw out there, but it's still a number that you have to attain. 
In order to do that, you have to, in Lorcana, you exert. In uh, Rush of Icart, you exhaust, which is you turn sideways. The uh, the creature or, or character combat system is, is exactly the same. You can only challenge or attack a, another character or creature if it is exhausted slash exerted. And then you do the exchange of the values of their willpower, strength, attack, you know, all that other stuff. And the one that dies is dies. The terms of elusive and um, so and evasive, the same mechanic. Um, so there's there's a lot of similarities in the two. The game is is essentially the same. The difference comes in uh, in Rush of Icor. You take the card from the top of your deck, put it directly down. In Lorcana, it's one from hand that goes down, and sixty cards versus fifty cards. Rush of Icor versus Lorcana. So there's incredible amounts of similarity here, and that has to be the most damning aspect of this. Yeah, I don't disagree with you that, um, excuse me, that the overlap there is troubling. Um, if the timeline is the way that Upper Deck says it is, and their rules are the way they say they are, and they were at the time that Miller left. Yeah, there's a lot because all they really did when they poured it over to Lorcana was change the skinning of it, right? Like all they did was slap some Disney words on it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how the timeline the timeline will be the biggest thing. Uh, the the complaint references things like um, they provided Miller with some milestones and some different um, objectives that they wanted him to hit, and they were going to talk about it at certain points. Yeah, and. They say that these things happened and that there was a couple of there was a couple of instances where they talked about things. I want to see the notes of those meetings. I think that would be very telling. Miller com completed milestones one through five per the work for a higher agreement, and they paid him tens of thousands of dollars for his services. Like, well, I, you know, I'd be be curious to see what he provided them and what that looked like. You know, so I, I, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to make too many judgments just based off of a, you know, a. A complaint without exhibits or any information, but I'm uh, I imagine that that would be troubling if all that bared bared out. All right. At the end of the day, there are eight charges that are being brought against Miller, Ravensburger, and Miller and Ravensburger combined. Um, there's eight of them. Let's walk right through them, and I just want you to discuss in terms of what you know from what's presented. What seems like a stretch? What seems like a slam dunk? Obviously, you don't have all the information. Yeah, yeah. So yeah my guess is going to be is like none of these are a slam dunk because we don't have anything. But I hear what you're saying. I understand the point. All right. Yeah. All right. So number one charge is breach of contract versus Ryan Miller. Yeah, it's really going to depend on what the contract for Ryan Miller says. If it's if it says what they say, it does hey, you're going to work for us. You're not going to tell anybody about what you're working here for, and you're going to keep all of the stuff that you make for us secret. Um, that would that'd be troublesome. It, it really would be troublesome for, for them. Um, but again, may, there's a lot of things that are that are defenses to breach of contract. And so maybe Upper Deck didn't do what it was supposed to do. And there's some prior material breaches. And maybe maybe there's some ambiguities in the contract or, or not. I don't know. So uh, Number two is breach of fiduciary duty versus Miller. Yeah, so this generally for people that don't know, a fiduciary is a person that has you have the, the obligation to act in that person's best interest, uh, that is as opposed to your own. And so that's typically not a duty that just exists in the world. For example, 
Matt, when you and I talk about just our life and loves and things going on, I don't owe you a fiduciary duty. I don't have to look out for you above myself. Like that would be nonsense. So it, this again comes down to what the contract they signed says, um, because just Miller as a de facto law of the universe doesn't owe upper deck a fiduciary duty, but maybe in the capacity that he was operating, he does. And maybe under whatever was going on in, in California law with respect to how he was working, maybe that's true. I don't know. Next up is fraud versus Miller. And this seems like one of the more scarier words that are out there. Yeah. Fraud really opens the door. Just generally speaking to like escalating the damages above whatever the actual real dollar amount they suffered was. It opens the door to things like attorney fees and opens the door to potentially crime. If the prosecutors wanted to get involved in this, right? Like this, they're saying this person intentionally or maliciously acted in a way that did something, you know, the, the definition of fraud in California is probably really weird because Californians are weird. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure, but you know, like this, this one would, this one is the scariest one to me in general, because it's saying, Hey, not only was this an oopsie daisy where you were like, you didn't know, but you intentionally did some of this stuff and you did it to hurt us. And, um, you know, if, if like the allegation were true that Miller were working, for example, uh, at Russia Vicor at the time he was developing Lorcana, that, that would be troublesome. And so, um, again, this is going to be one of those things where we're going to have to see how the discovery bears out and, um, go from there. Yeah. Uh, again, like you mentioned, Californians and their their laws. Uh, this kind of reminds me of the uh, case of hipster versus Panera Bread in the case of uh, the uh, the uh, alleged organic avocado, which uh, was quite groundbreaking in California law. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I don't ha I don't. Uh, the only Californian I think I know is like Doa, who's an amazing um, like Eric Lundquist, who's an amazing human being, and Majin Bay, like Caleb, like who are both some of the nicest amazing people that i know so oh and uber like uber so I, i'm throwing genuinely kind people yeah yeah and but screw them just screw you them. also just name dropped several of my favorite content creators like i would die if i ever met doa so just to hear you casually be like oh yeah one of my friends doa you know like oh neat i only grew up on his starcraft casting that's cool i have an open invitation if i ever want to hang out with him and him and i play star wars cards like we've played before and uh yeah he's we chat like actually <laughs> like weekly. Man, He's an awesome. He dude. was one of the, the first content creators I found and is the, the basis for why I got into creation. Cause I liked his shout casting for Starcraft. Well, so. I will, I will pass it along. Um, Oh God. Just <laughs> start sweating. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, another part I want to ask about this before we dig deeper into the charges is the fact that there's like, if it's like fraud and whatever and this and that, but there's also is the scenario of how different does a game have to be for it to sort of avoid these things like what if ryan miller said yeah but it's it's different enough like if what if i just change the deck size or change the name of something or instead of questing slash rating to 20 it's 25 is that is that good enough I mean, that is such a good question then i unfortunately don't have a clean answer for you i i think i'd be speaking out of line to say that i know that that sounds like a heavily fact intensive scenario and when we get into these fact intensive scenarios and in law it's often where trials come in so um what what will happen in this case just to give up if someone's unfamiliar with the structure of a lawsuit and how litigation works we've done the first step uh upper deck has filed a complaint okay then what will happen next is Ravensburger and Miller will file what are called answers. Well, they will admit or deny each allegation in the complaint. Every single line. How many lines were there? 105 plus a few. 110. 
110 allegations and they can play they will go through each every line and go i admit this i deny this or this isn't really a thing a person can admit or deny so i deny it and they'll go through the whole list that way and after that they'll enter they're going through what's called the discovery phase generally where the sides will exchange information so this is where your men remember this is where your agreement will come in this will be where we see emails from we won't see them but the attorneys will see emails potentially from Ravensburger and Miller and Upper Deck about what what was going on at the time. Hey, show me every email from when Ryan Miller started working till the day of today, and we're gonna see what was going on and what did Miller know? His personal emails, his computers. We're gonna look through all of these things and see what's going on, and then we're gonna talk to these people. We're gonna we're gonna ask the questions and depositions about these things that we see, right? And so that's where we're gonna bear a lot of that fruit of maybe maybe. Miller genuinely thought, hey, you know what? This is different enough. And he wasn't trying to steal something. And so that would defeat a lot of these complaints. The fraud one, for example, where like it requires some level of intentional deception. Uh, maybe we read the emails and see the texts and see the files. And Miller wasn't trying to intentionally deceive someone. Or we read, we look at the contract and we see that, you know, maybe Upper Deck says in an email, hey, you don't have to worry about it. Just fuck off and go to you know, the other store, like, it's fine. Like maybe that happens. It didn't, but you know, maybe it happens. So um, that discovery phase is going to be huge in terms of what, how different does something have to be matter? If it ends up being that close of a call that the law is not clear, it'll go to like, this is where you go to trial and have a jury say, you know what? It has to be distinguishably different. I, that's a vague term. Let's just say that that's the standard. The jury would decide is 20 to 25 is 40 cards to 60 cards is the game is meant to be played in one hour or under one hour. Is that, is that different enough? The jury will decide um, if it meets that standard or not. So that was a long answer, but I figured we'd talked a lot about lawsuits and maybe people didn't understand the, the structure of how one worked in the, in the United States. All right. No, I appreciate that. Uh, the fourth one, this one now against Ravensburger, is inducing breach of written contract. And I imagine this is them just kind of goading Ryan Miller to say, like, yeah, yeah just just do it. Yeah, I, you know, I actually didn't read this part of the, the complaint. This isn't something that I've actually ever litigated or know anything about, truthfully, this particular cause of action. Um, but that, that does seem to me to be very similar. Like, that's that sounds like what it says on its face, right, is Ravensburger enticed them to do that. Um, that Ravensburger knew or reasonably should have known that Miller was subject to valid confidentiality contracts, and then Ravensburger induced and intended for Miller to breach his obligation. So, yeah, hey, if you breach their contract, we'll give you an extra ten thousand dollars on top of the fee, or what, or whatever it is. That's what they're that's what they're alleging. Um, next is negligent interference with prospective economic relations. That is, there's so much big words in there. <laughs> yeah and so that one is uh you know i was gonna say it is what it sounds like but i do this for a job so it probably doesn't sound like anything to most people um that you know if they didn't if they didn't intentionally induce him to breach the contract uh they they knew or should have known that miller had some arrangement and their actions in a negligent way caused the suffering of upper deck because of their actions and so um Ravensburger knew or should have known that its employees were not using confidential and proprietary property obtained from third parties. And they knew or should have known that Miller's relationship with upper deck would have been disrupted if it failed to act with reasonable care. Oh, so you came from our competitor who's making a game and you instantly have this idea for a brand new game. Are you sure you don't, and you still work there? Are you sure you don't 
need to take a break and like purge all of your mind of that stuff. That's that's sort of where that comes where that allegation comes from. And you'll notice this is just a fun legal tidbit. It is very hard for Ravensburger to have intentionally induced the breach of contract and also negligently interfere with the contract. And so the law lets us do because those seem to clash, right? You either intentionally did it or you did it on accident negligently. The law lets us do um, what's called pleading in the alternative. And so if you didn't intentionally do it, did a bad enough job that it was, uh, that it was negligent. I didn't intentionally hit you with my car, but man, you really, you did such a bad job driving your car that, uh, that you should, you still should have hit me. And so that's, that's how that plays out. So if you read that and go, man, those two seem polar opposites, they might be, but you're allowed to do that. And that's just kind of where that comes from. All right. Uh, next up is a charge. It is constructive trust versus both Miller and Ravensburger. Yeah. I would need to look a little bit into this. I, again, I don't deal with that much heavy IP work, but this sounds, the concept of this is basically, Hey, Ravensburger came into contact from some information that it shouldn't have had. So it knew or should have known that Miller brought some data with them or some ideas that it, that it just, he, they shouldn't have known about. Um, and as a result of that, they have an obligation to hold that stuff in secret and to not use it. Uh, because in, I don't know, I don't know if that's true. I have, that could be real. I, you know, I'm sure it is. I'm sure again, like with everything that the hell's his name, Craig, uh, Craig has done such a good job. I'm sure he didn't make up a cause of action, but like, um, I, I don't know enough about it to like comment uh, too much on it. Seventh of eighth charge or, or, uh, you know, alleged, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what, what's the proper term? What would you call this? Is it a, um, we would call these causes of action or counts. Okay. So the uh, seventh, seventh cause of action, seventh count is conversion versus uh, Miller and, and Ravensburger. And this has nothing to do with, uh, throwing a five yard pass for two extra points. No, this is just theft. Yeah. Conversion is the legal term for theft most of the time. So, um, Hey, Miller took property. Ravensburger took property that they didn't have the ability to, and they did it intentionally. And they didn't give it back. So when the Jehovah's witnesses knock on my door, I can be like thieves. No, attempted thieves. <laughs> are they even doing that? Uh, oh, they're trying to nuisances. They're yeah. trying to convert. They're, there's a uh, significant, uh, counts of conversion that are being attempted. So <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah. God, wow. You need to put a no soliciting sign on your door. It changed my life. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> next up is, uh, and last account is unfair competition versus Miller and Ravensburger. Yeah. And so I, you know, they, this complaint cites a California code section under the business and professional code, uh, 17,200. I don't know. I believe him. I believe that he thinks he can make this. Uh, it sounds a lot like, um, because Ravensburger was using, this IP that it knew or should have known that it didn't have access to use that results in an unfair environment in the marketplace. And apparently California has something that steps in and prevents that. Um, yeah. Used disseminated upper decks, confidential and proprietary game designed to promote and market their game with its entire foundation resting on upper deck sole property. So um, I believe them. Um, the last bit of this which probably <laughs> has some of the most, like the biggest implications for Lorcana in general, 
is the uh, which I already off air laughed at uh, because I've never heard this term used, which is the prayer for relief, which is what I thought Christians did when there was like an earthquake. Uh, thoughts and prayers, like yeah, this, uh, this is legalese for thoughts and prayers. Maybe ultimately, it's basically what I guess Upper Deck is seeking as proper um, restitution. Is that kind of what this is? Yeah, so this is what the prayer for relief is basically what do you want the court to do with this this information? Like, okay. hey, you've told us all of this stuff. What do you want me to do about it? Court, we want you to. We want restitution. We want made whole for this. We want general damages and the big one here. Yeah. Um, injunctive relief in joining Ravensburger. From, I'm sorry, I stole your no, no, your this role there. No, you're but you're spot on because this was the biggest one out of all of them. There are ten unique uh, uh, instances of like what, like you said, prayers for relief. Ten points. Um, some of it is like, oh, pay for our legal fees. Uh, yeah. Others is just like, um, you know, special damages. It's all a lot of it is money related. But the biggest, fattest, hottest tamale. Out of all of this is the second one, which is for injunctive relief and joining Ravensburger from publicly releasing Lurkana. This is enormous because this means that Upper Deck could, if this succeeds, will say, you can't release the game, mofos. And that is huge. Yeah. And so I guess just to give people some perspective on what happens here, um, Lurkana releases in August, right? Mid-August. Mm -hmm. Um this case will not be settled by mid-August. If it goes its natural length, it the answer won't come for 28 days from today, until 28 days from today, assuming California has similar timeline to Ohio. Um, in Ohio, a trial like this would be set for like two years from now. So like if this case goes the distance, you know, that's this we're not going to see whether we get that resolution. Now, what would happen in the meantime then is the Upper Deck will file a motion for injunctive relief, a preliminary injunctive relief. And so what that will say is they're going to say to the court, court, we can't wait for this to go the distance. We're going to experience real harm right now if Lorcana is released in August. Upper Deck, we're going to lose everything if Lorcana gets to go to market. And so the court will balance a variety of factors in, in Upper Deck's motion to determine whether up this this injunctive relief needs granted and uh if 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 it's granted yeah the court would say hey you can't take lorcana to market until the termination of this case and so that that motion relies on factors like is it likely that upper deck will prevail on the merits like is it likely upper deck will win um but who who decides that is that the judge who would look at the evidence or the preliminary yeah. evidence and say okay this is up to a jury but what from what i'm seeing th there's a really good chance that they will succeed in suing and there's a really good chance that what that junction for you know uh injunctive relief for, from, yep like so then the judge makes the essentially executive decision of saying hey it's not happening like we'll, we 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 will see how it settles but it is so leaning in one way that you can't you can't release this if, yeah if their motion practice in california is similar to ours what would happen is upper deck will file this motion for preliminary injunctive relief ravensburger and miller will reply or you know those they'll, they'll file what's called a memorandum in opposition um and then 
upper deck will get to reply to that memo in, op- in opposition. And basically, so it'll be like a, an attack, a retort, and a reply, right? And so from that, the judge, there will probably be a hearing. There might be some preliminary testimony. And there, there's a there's a bunch of factors, but one of the major ones is, is it likely to, for you to prevail on the merits? And so if the judge goes, yeah, it's likely you're going to prevail on the merits, and I agree with you that you'll suffer irreparable harm in the event that, this game goes to market. Um, yeah, we will, we'll, we'll stop it and we're going to, we're going to hash this case out the proper way. And that way you won't experience irreparable harm. So imagine this is a really easy thing to demonstrate. Let's say there's a tree that sits on your property and your neighbor hates that tree and he thinks he owns it. And he comes to you and he goes, I'm going to cut that tree down right now. And it's on my property. You would go to court and you would that day get a get an injunction against this guy to say, Hey, while we figure out who owns the fucking tree, I've swore twice now. I'm so sorry. You're good. While we figure out who, who owns the tree, prevent this guy from knocking the tree down because if he cuts it down, it can't be fixed period ever. And so the judge would go, yes, you will experience irreparable harm if that tree's knocked down. And so that's where that comes from. And so the judge will have to weigh those things, irreparable harm, likely to prevail on the merits, you know, and, you know, money fixes a lot of things in business. So I don't know that I see irreparable harm here, Uh, but maybe if they still want to take their, their game to market and people would go, Oh, that's just like Lorcana. I'm not going to buy it. Maybe that's irreparable harm. I don't know that that would be for a judge to decide to see how the facts bear out, but that is the big one because if they get that, if they get that, that's obviously curtains for an August release. Um, I don't want to get into too much details about opinion and all that stuff because I know that your your time is valuable uh, and you have other uh, engagements already. However, the other quick question I want to ask is, is there ever a scenario or how likely or how would or, you know, like walk us through what might happen should Ravensburger actually be you know, I don't say innocent in this, but they were unaware. They they hired Ryan Miller and Ryan Miller is the sole purpose. Do they have recourse against him? And because it seems to me like they paid for this license, they put out all this marketing, they've got Disney behind them, but if they just paid for the license to print the cards and Disney doesn't it said, you know what, you're on your own. Like you you made your bed, you sleep in it. What do they is is he sort of like the ground seer? Can he take a massive fall here? So like um, like my answer to a lot of things, it really depends on what the agreements between Ravensburger and Miller looked like. If, if it comes to pass that Ravensburger had no idea about this and Miller is found to be, you know, liable for, for these things and Ravensburger's like, what the hell, man? You know, that, yeah, there is, there is a world where Ravensburger could seek, seek damages. Likewise, like we see here against, against Miller, um, that would be the next evolution of that. Um, just between like you, I, the fence post and everyone that watches the show, we're not going to get that far. Ravensburger with the backing of Disney money is going to pay whatever upper deck in them settle. They're going to find a number because it's all about money. It always has been and always will be in these kind of instances. They're going to find a number and they're going to settle is just like my guess. Um, you know, the, the damages are equal to whatever rush of whatever, can prove its damages were, and maybe that's significant. Maybe they thought this game was going to be a banger. They've made upper decks made good games, you know, like world of Warcraft game was phenomenal. They have a history of making good games versus system um, as well. Like they've, they've got, some, yeah. And I mean, everybody knows upper deck because I have, you know, boxes and boxes of like, 
uh, series yeah. one hockey cards, series one baseball cards, and everything. But they also do this kind of stuff, which is you know, you know, nothing to sneeze at either. No, yeah, I, yeah, they're they're a big company, and so I, you know, I, this will likely already have been negotiated a little bit before we got to this point and upper deck probably just filed a lawsuit to like move things along. Um, my guess is it will, this, this is a good public pressure move from upper deck. Like all things considered, like it's very likely you see lawsuits against Apple all the time where like someone will allege that like Apple stole the IP for the Apple watch from me. And you're like, well, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't, but guess what you're going to get, you're going to get half a million. You're going to get half a million, a billion dollars from Apple. So pretty sweet either way you know and so i think that's what we'll see here i think we'll ultimately see a settlement um because august is quick upon us right and yeah. so um this is a well-timed complaint and again if craig is the the head seat over there man he has done he's probably not the head seat because craig nicholas and nicholas law i mean he's probably the principal but sean markley or jordan bill castro are his associates and they did all the work so i take it back sean and jordan you did a great job craig just signed the thing i'll but, uh, um, i'll contact both those persons. maybe they want to be on podcast <laughs> yeah exa exactly yeah the one guy's name is mark oh i thought it was malarkey i was like that's a fun <laughs> name but it's markley um, uh the good old uh, law offices of malarkey and baloney yes yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, no, they um they, they did a good job, and this is well-timed. And again, I think they've created a lot of pressure from just like a legal strategy perspective. Like, again, like we like the first thing you did when you saw this goes, what does this mean for my game? And now the public feels that, and now Wakana feels that, and that's a question that needs answered again. So this is just, it's it was clever. It was clever. Oh, certainly, because of the implications of just the, the major part of the prayer for relief being just stopping the release of the game, even if it is. Even if it's for six months, that throws so much off kilter. Um, it stops Gen Con, right? Like, yep. um, yeah. and it stops everybody's pre-releases. It just has so many tentacles that uh, just filing this and throwing that in there is, I think, enough to accelerate what a, an eventual resolution would be, which, in my opinion, is going to be like, uh, you know what? Like, Ravensburger is going to knock on Disney's door and say, look, uh, you're going to make an, a killing on this, but it's going to be slightly less because you got to pay upper deck like $25 million or something like that. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that final number is going to end up being either. And that's going to be, we'll probably never know that either, which is a downer, but yeah, there's so much behind it. Like I'm going to Disney world in November and we were looking forward to buying packs in the park and like, you know, just doing little pack battles at the park or whatever the hell, you know? So I, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, and I guess I just want to reiterate that like California is a weird wasteland of like law and like um I'm not um licensed to practice there and so a lot of this just generic legal commentary uh don't base your life off this and if you need IP work done like please god go get an actual IP attorney like don't rely on this donkey to yeah. to do that for you. But if you need any other advice regarding anything else and how to live your life, you you listen strictly to me uh, and I will give you very, very pointed direction on how to uh, live your life. Sounds right. Sure. All right. I well, believe that you believe that. So. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you very much, Jordan, and uh, your time and your your expertise as we sort of navigate this, this uh, little bombshell that really rattled some cages and, and got me re rejuvenated for Lorcana, possibly for all the wrong reasons, but ultimately... We are going to see how this goes. I know that this might be a good opportunity 
to actually start doing podcana weekly because i just want to follow this along because this is a hot potato yeah and i'll tell you what it's not gonna be as sexy as like people it's it's huge news right because like this big ip backed by this massive company is kind of getting sued by like a company that's in our own backyard like we've all been we all grew up in this industry who know upper deck right and so our guys are fighting the monsters and like that's really cool somebody's just going to pay somebody a bunch of money and like, it's not going to matter. But like, but at the end of the day, it's still very fun to just be like, Oh my God. And it's a thing I kind of know a little bit about, like, you know, I, I could process this. So it's very fun to just like, my worlds don't collapse a lot. So that's I, awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much everyone for listening and let us know what you think in the comments. Tell us, does this sour you on Lorcana at all? Uh, you know, what do you think having read the document or, or just the allegations, uh, you know, are, are you off Lorcana? Are you even more into it? Tell us what you think about this whole ordeal. And uh, again, we thank you so much for listening to Podcana. I'm Flake. That's Jordan. We'll catch you next time. See you later. Bye-bye.